0: Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos.
1: Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. Super excited to be here. We've got Raul Velasquez in the house. So excited to dive in his story. He is a super inspirational dude. He got me really fired up. He immigrated here from Ecuador, grew up in New York City. We'll get into all his story once I do the intro and we will dive in. So really excited for you guys. Make sure you listen to this to the end because he will teach you something and make sure you follow him after. Today's review that I'm going to read is from Michael Graziano. He's been on the show as well. Absolutely love listening to it. Gets me so fired up every time I do. Love the way Lance makes the guests feel so comfortable and open up. Such an inspirational podcast, he says, gave us five stars. Appreciate you, man. Really appreciate that review. And guys, I take all these reviews so seriously, and I really appreciate them and want to continue to bring you value into your life. So keep them coming. So hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Everything matters. And I really, really appreciate you joining me on this road. So anyways, we'll get right into it here right after a quick word to our sponsor. It's called Aprons for Gloves. What this is, is this is a nonprofit organization created by the East Side Boxing Club. The whole mission of this is in the community to help improve lives and build community through boxing. Right? By having um, a space that supports these members and community involvement, the participants get to collaborate in these different fundraising campaigns so that we can actually see how this impacts the youth, which is really cool. The four programs that are going to be offered after-school boxing program for the at-risk youth, young adults class for youth working to improve their mental health, free self-defense for females, and number four will be moms and tots program. Really awesome thing. So how this works is the event itself is going to be called the Restaurant Rumble. Now, this has been going on for eight years, and it's been growing. It's going to be at the Commodore Ballroom, August 20th. So people that work in the bar industry, restaurant industry, past or present, decide they get together and they commit for three months to train at Eastside boxing club while raising money. Now the goal is to hit 2000 bucks. Once you hit 2000 bucks, you qualify for a fight. Okay. And depending on how well you've done and how much effort you put in, you may get a contender fight. So I've decided to do this. It's crazy. I know I, I was just like, wow. When I heard this at first, I said, I didn't know if I wanted to do it, And now I'm doing it. And it's amazing And it's just such a good cause. It goes with my cause, with University of Adversity, making impact. And that's what I want to do. I want to give, make impact and do so many things for the youth. It's just, this is a perfect starting point for me. And I'm so excited about it. So what I'm going to do is putting on, I'm going to be raising the money. Hopefully you guys will want to donate. I'm going to be giving this shout out every single episode until August 20th. I'm going to be putting on an event, all this kind of stuff. I'm going to update this as we go on. But... The main thing here is this is a great cause. A lot of times growing up, we would have gotten into trouble. I know myself, if I didn't have sports, if I didn't have hockey, soccer, all these things, or at least mentors or people offering these programs, then I would have gotten into trouble, right? Because a lot of times you get into trouble when you have too much time on your hands. These young minds wander, right? You just want to, you don't have an outlet. And giving this this outlet is going to create discipline, going to teach them about nutrition. There's so many amazing things. And at the same time, we get to train for an amazing cause and raise money. So there's going to be a link. There's a link in my link tree, guys. Please donate. I really, really appreciate it. This is for the kids. And I'm going to share this journey. As you guys probably know, you're going to be seeing all kinds of different stuff happening with transformation and stories and videos on my Instagram and Facebook. So it's really exciting. So I hope you guys will join me for this ride and donate Aprons for Gloves 2019 for the Restaurant Rumble. Thanks, guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest started his journey in real estate where he did incredibly well It was very successful at a young age. But with the recession of 2008, he nearly lost everything and was forced to battle back and create something new for himself. He went on to create the next level experience that helps men become better leaders in their business and community. He's published two books, Change Agents and Successonomics, and has also been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Elevated Post. So really excited to have him on, his wisdom, his value, and I've been following him on uh, YouTube and different videos, so it's going to be a real treat for us, guys, so get ready. Raul Velasquez, welcome to the show, brother.
0: Thank you, Lance. I appreciate it, man. I love the energy, man, and I love the name of the podcast, man. It, it, I think this is where people go after the School of Hard Knocks, right? They yeah. They the of Hard Knocks and they go to the University of <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's it, man. And it's kind of everybody goes through their adversities in their life. And that's why I really love this is because everybody's got a story and everybody has some sort of golden nugget that they can pull out of there. So I really like to kind of dissect everyone's story and just to really see where you came from and you know, what you ha- how you got to where you are today. So maybe just, I would love to just kind of take us back a little, fill in the gaps, maybe tell us a little bit about that story in the beginning and with the real estate and, and kind of paint the picture of how you got to where you are today.
0: Got it. So, you know, I'm originally from Ecuador. I came here when I was eleven years old. I'm an immigrant. And imagine an eleven years old coming into a different country, different culture. And I had to adapt to the environment, I had to adapt to the culture. So I was bullied at the beginning for the first two years until I had to figure out I had to become adaptable to the culture. So I didn't know what that meant, but really what it meant for me was to be able to fit in. So all my life through high school, through junior high, I was trying to fit in the crowd. And because I was trying to fit in, I was in the wrong side of the the town. I almost got arrested. Actually, I got arrested when I was 16 years old. Most of my friends are either dead or in jail. So by the age of 18, I knew I had to figure shit out because the way that I was going, I was going to end up in jail most likely. So the turning point came when my father got diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. And when I got the news that my dad wasn't going to be able to walk or work, then I had to realize that I have to create a future, that I couldn't be a burden to my family, and I had to be able to become the leader. And I think that's the, the turning point that we have a lot in common with a lot of entrepreneurs, that there is always something that happens in your life that you could track back into your into story and see, okay, that's the moment that I decided. That's the moment that I made the choice. That's the moment that things changed for me. So I remember clearly when the doctor said that to me, he says, you're going to have to help your father make ends meet because he's going to be in a wheelchair and he's not going to be able to provide for you. Wow. And at 18 years old, man, you know, how do you tell a teenager that? I mean, at that moment, I was just thinking about drinking and girls. Yeah. (laughs) So my whole world was upside down at that moment when my hero, the the man that I look up to, I had to realize that he wasn't going to be there for me the way that he used to be. So that's, you know, that's where it started. I realized at that moment that I had to do something different, that I couldn't be like everyone else, that I didn't have to fit in, that I had to make my own path and find find a, a way. A way to become a man, a way to to provide for my family, and a way to to really create a path for me that was going to to make something of myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. No.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you're you're forced to step up. You're forced to. You didn't have a choice, man. And sometimes that's when your back's up against the wall. That's what we need almost. And it, it's it's hard, but sometimes that's what we need to get a kick in the ass, you know. And I mean, it sounds like you you took that in stride. So. Was real estate something that really interested you? Or that must have been like, how was your English at the time? Like, was it challenging?
0: Well, I, like, I, learned, I, I learned how to speak English real quick. Actually, I'm still yeah. learning how to speak English, as a matter of fact. But in the
1: first few oh, years,
0: because in junior high school, we have what, we, what is called ESL, English yeah. as a Second Language, all right? Yeah. So picture this I'm, I'm a kid, a brand new kid into the school. My mother is dressing me, so I'm already looking odd. So my game with the girls wasn't looking good. And on top of that, every single day, we had to go to lunch right behind the special ed class. So I looked like I belong with the special ed kids. So that's where I figured out, you know what, I need to learn how to speak English because I'm not going to get a girlfriend anytime soon looking like this or sounding like this. So the first two years in this country, I read the dictionary, I watched movies, and I just immersed myself into the culture so I could learn enough to pass the test and graduate to the next level and be able to go to a regular class. So what happened in the next year, I think it was eighth grade, I created this story about me. I was Raul from the Bronx. I wasn't anymore the Raul, the immigrant, all right? I was Raul from the Bronx. So I had this whole persona about this guy because I had cousins in the Bronx. So I had this Raul from the Bronx persona, and then it worked really good the first week, man. I had, you know, people asking me about all these things, and I was the cool guy for like the first week until. My previous teacher saw me on the way to lunch, same thing, the ESL teacher saw me on the way to lunch, and she went out of her way, man, and put me aside and in front of everyone, said, Raul, don't ever be ashamed of where you came from, don't ever be ashamed of being Latin, like you were here with us last year, and she just ripped me a new one, and I was so embarrassed, man, that I am like, okay, I guess I can't be Raul from the Bronx anymore, I guess I have to be Raul.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's tough in school, man. Like, people forget how hard that is in that age, you know, because you don't know what the hell is going on, man. You're trying to be one thing and then you got all this temptation and, you know, you got like pop culture. Man, it's people forget how challenging it is.
0: And and it's crazy because back then we didn't have social media. I was being physically bullied, Lance, by two big ass dudes every single day. They will kick my ass. I remember it was Pedro and the other one was Anthony a Colombian and a Puerto Rican. And every single day, man, I used to get beat up by Anthony. I was going beat up by Pedro. And I'm like, fuck, man, I, I, I don't want to go to school no more. But how can I tell my parents that I don't want to go to school because they spent all this money, all this time bringing me to this country. Yeah. And now I, I look like I can't handle myself. So for the first two years, man, I went through a tough transition until I got to high school. And I realized, man, I need to join a gang because I already <laughs> saw the trends. So I, I saw that the guys who... Or part of a of a community, part of a of a gang, you know, they had a better chance of not getting beat up. So that's what I did. I at the beginning, I, I created my own gang of misfits, and then we had a little gang going on. Then the big gang recruited me, so I was recruited to the big guys. And all of a sudden, back and looking back, man, I really didn't pay too much attention to school. It was more survival. Like I graduated high school lands with the shit that I learned in Ecuador, like sixth yeah. grade. Wow, I was a sixth grade student in Ecuador. I mean, I learned everything up to sixth grade, and I came here and I graduated high school just with that information because I, I was able to just immerse with the culture. I was able to take the easy classes, but my entire school year was just survival. I was trying to survive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine growing up in New York City as it, as it is, man. That's, I mean, I grew up Canada, where it's safer, and I mean, there's obviously bad areas, but I mean. Like when you first came to New York, like what is it like there growing up? And I mean, just kind of paint a picture for people because you know, you see movies, you see people talk about New York, you know, you see it in, in, in all kinds of good fellas and all this kind of stuff. But like what is it really like? Is well,
0: it- let me tell you something. I'm lucky because I wasn't in the Bronx, I wasn't in Brooklyn, I wasn't I wasn't in the suburbs. I'm like I'm 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 in Stanford, Connecticut, which is born in New York. Yeah. So I was like one of like, out of fifteen kids that were Hispanics, okay? Yeah. But what happened is that when you are coming from another country, you just assume that everyone is nice, right? You just believe that everybody in the United States is making money. Everybody is like, it's like the land yeah. opportunity, right? Yeah. So the first week, I remember this clearly because I was, I'm writing my book right now. So I had to let the editor know about a couple of stories. And I remember this girl coming to me, asking me something. And I said, yes, I didn't understand what she was saying, but I say, yes. So this dude came up to me and said something. And I said yes. So my only word that I knew how to say is yes. At the end of the school day, there was a bunch of people just talking about me because I had to say yes to fighting the biggest dude in the fucking class. <laughs> I yeah. thought was—I just <laughs> thought he was being friendly with me. The first day, I picked a fight with the biggest dude, and then he kicked my ass the first day. So that was my introduction wow. to United States, getting my ass kicked. So even, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed that I wasn't in the Bronx. I wasn't in Brooklyn. I wasn't in those areas because I probably would have had to. That would have been a different life because I would have had to adapt real quick into what was going on. So it, growing up here, man, it was tough because you don't have that many, it, it's not, it wasn't that many Spanish people at that time. So you're trying to create that diversity. And plus you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to find a way to fit in. And, and for me, it was more of just like entrepreneurship. You're looking to find your niche. You're looking to find your voice. You're looking to find what, what's the value bringing into the marketplace. So yeah. when you asked me about real estate, you know, one of the things that saved my, my life really was when school gave me a job placement to work with a lawyer. And once I started working with this lawyer, right, I saw like, okay, I need to get my shit together because there's an opportunity here to become a lawyer. There's an opportunity here if I really pay attention to school. But my grades were not at that level. And plus, I needed to figure out how to make money right away. So I went into selling cars, selling t-shirts, selling everything because I knew that I, I liked talking to people. I knew how to talk to people. So I, about 18 years old, I think 19, I got involved with network marketing. Yeah. And that was probably the best things I did because network marketing really opened my eyes to what's possible. From 19 to like 21, for like two years, that was my school. They introduced me to books. They introduced me to positive thinking. They introduced me to personal development. So I look at network marketing experience as more of a, an opportunity for me to think bigger, to look at the big picture.
1: Yeah, no, that's, I love that you touched that because I got a lot of listeners that are in that space as well. Network marketing, direct sales, including myself. I mean, I've done it too. I There's so many things in that business model that are positive. Helping people get what they want and learning to be better and, and self-improvement and all that stuff. And it kind of gets clouded by a lot of the bullshit that some companies have done and other people have done. But there's so many positive things about it. And I'm the same. I started... I started with a company as well and I was like, what is this stuff, you know? And it was all about helping you become better and helping the next guy become better. I I think
0: that's what the the whole point of network marketing is really for you to see the value that you could have when you actually have the intention to help people. And I remember my first marketing experience, man, I was the best at what I did. I was the youngest guy there and I recruited like a bunch of people. I was knocking doors. That, back then, there was no social media. Back then, there was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. Yeah. It was me knocking the doors, man. I was knocking <laughs> the doors. I was handing business cards at the mall. I was talking to people. I was breaking the pattern. So that prepared me to do what I do now because I didn't have, I, I wasn't, I lost that fear of talking to people. I remember going to the mall with a stack of, business cards I don't even know Lance if you know what a business card is but it's square paper thing that you put your name and you and yeah. back then we didn't have an email had a we had a fax number yeah. so it was it was like 1998 or 1997 yeah. you put your, your business card so I, I had a commitment if I go to the mall I need to I can't come home without handing a business card to everyone that I meet so every my mission was to hand out my business cards to talk to people I used to come home I remember my, back then my, my girlfriend was was my wife now And I used to be so proud, man, coming back and said, I did it. I shook, you know, 50 people's hands. I got like 20 business cards, made 20 connections. And Sunday night, I remember this clearly, Sunday night, I would take out the list and I would make the phone calls. Hey, remember Raul from the mall? Yeah, you're interested in an opportunity, this and that. So that gave me the opportunity to actually break through that shell of becoming a businessman. And I was I was young. I was 19 years old at that moment. I didn't have a business. I didn't have a pitch. I learned being in the streets talking to people, having conversations. That's how I learned sales. So what did you like about it though? I mean, what was it, what fired you
1: up about that? Was it the connecting with people? Was it the thrill of maybe, you know, lots of people saying no. And then possibly someone saying yes. There's so many things that people love about that sort of style that kind of, you know, gravitates them towards that career. The
0: community, brother, the community. I remember, I was the youngest guy in that organization, and they just took us in as like their kids, and they just fed us like things that we could do, like putting pictures. Like I remember, like listen, I don't come from from you have money. You know, none of my 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 family has ever been an entrepreneur. I'm the first entrepreneur in my family. My grandfather actually, who passed away, he was an investor. He invested in real estate. He was he never had a business, but he knew how to hustle. I, I, I see him more of a hustler than a businessman, but they painted a picture of what's possible if you believe. They painted a picture of what's possible in your dream. So what happened is I knocked in there in a different door. I was trying to recruit somebody for the business, and actually there was an investor who said, hey, if you could start doing this, man, you could sell real estate all day long. So then he recruited me to sell real estate, and that's when the game changed. Actually, at that time, I was also selling computers. So I sold him a laptop, and then what I didn't know is that by me selling him a laptop, which actually wasn't even a legit laptop. I was selling laptops that was off the black market. People were selling black uh, laptops in the black market and I was reselling them to people. And uh, he used to call me every single fucking night for technical support. And I'm like, shit, I want to give you your money back, man. Like, don't call me anymore. You don't pay me enough for this. But after like two months of helping him with the technology, he actually recruited me to become part of his team. And now he's my partner in real estate. That's like, almost, almost 30 years ago.
1: Wow. So man, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about 2008 and it fucked a lot of people. And it's just, it's crazy because I'm, I'm in Canada and I didn't realize the magnitude that it was and how bad it affected people until, you know, now mm-hmm. I'm podcasting and I talk to people. Like I remember gas prices going super low and I was in bars and restaurants. So a lot of Americans didn't come anymore to the rest. Like our whole industry was all fucked. Right. And our dollar was worth more than America, which never happens, which is crazy. So it's great for us. But at the same time, you know, you don't realize the repercussions of what's Mm. happening. And now I I just, it blows my mind, man. How many people lost so much in careers and in real estate and in, in everything, man, in, in investments, how bad did that affect you? And and really, I mean, what did you learn from that move? And then moving forward, you know, how did you apply that into what you're doing now?
0: You know, so first, first of all, what I what I think happened to us was there was a lot of success early on. So like, once I started touching real estate, I and mean, I couldn't, I couldn't do a, a real move. I bought my first property at 21 years old. I flipped it. I made a hundred thousand dollars, and I continued to buy more properties. I was buying properties every single month with my brother. Then it became every single week. Then we had a closing every single day. So it became more of like monopoly money. It became more of like, it was stupid because we were young. I we didn't know how to manage the success that we had. So I, I always pride myself into constantly continue to invest. So I was doubling down in real estate. So I had too much real estate. I was over leveraged that when the market crashed, I didn't believe it. I'm like, that's, you know, most people are going to fall, but not me. And I look back at saying that I didn't have the people that would advise me because I was surrounded with a lot of people who were new into the market, new money, new investors. we were just riding the wave. So they were all looking at me as like, okay, what are we going to do? And I had to continue to have my products. I said, no, we're going to continue to have the, the doors open. So we had to close one door because the bank, the bank actually, like the CEO of the bank left in a helicopter. I remember the, the guys called me, said, Raul, the CEO just left. And like right now there's, like people are taking their computers, people are taking the the, the books because nobody's paying them. There's like there is no money to pay payroll. So the CEO left. So we had to. We were part of the bank, so we had to close that branch. But the next week, somebody else gave us opportunity to open up another bank. So we went through at least eight banks within three months, like eight different names, to the point that we actually didn't even buy the the original thing to put in the table and, and the door, we actually just wrote down the name of the bank in the door, just in case they're going to fall the next week. Oh, we could just wow. rip it out. That's crazy. So so at that time, it was just crazy because it's kind of like when you're drinking out of, uh, you can water the faucet and just somebody just turns it off completely. It's, it's not even trickling down anymore. It was completely off, completely zero money coming in. We still have to pay the bills. It went from making a lot of money to having no money coming in. And not even... Like, if you have no money coming in right now, and at least you have a product or a service that you could sell, then you have the option and the opportunity to create. We didn't have that because nobody was buying, nobody was selling. It was like for six months, it froze. The market froze, and all you could see was just crashing, 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 and we just felt helpless. And here I am trying to pretend that I have my shit together, just fronting money left and right thinking that i 'm going to make it out of this mess alive when the reality is that i couldn 't do it that I had to I had to come to reality that I was going to lose money and I was losing money and just reinvent myself
1: so did anybody see any of that coming was there any warnings because the one movie I saw was the big short, which I watched recently and and that was that was crazy i mean i i've heard it's pretty accurate i don 't know how accurate that is for you in that I, I
0: think we just didn't want to believe it. Yeah, Like we all saw it was like to the point that we were not we were buying properties with li- like I was getting money back at a closing. Like that that was that was the truth. There was yeah. zero huh. leverage of buying properties. You know, it's kind of like just signing papers left and right. So we just didn't want to believe that it was going to end. We just didn't think it was going to end that drastically. So it's not like there were signs. It was just like One week to the next, it was just like a stop. It was like somebody just dropped the bomb. And I think that's what killed a lot of people because in my background, like I could go to sleep, I could go back to a one-bedroom apartment any day. That's what gives people, the immigrants, the edge because we came from nothing, Lance. So it's easy for us to adapt. It's gonna hurt our pride. And yeah, you know, we might feel a little bit awkward, but it's easy for me to tell my wife and my kids now. I mean, it wasn't easy then to go back to a one-bedroom apartment. As a matter of fact, that was my thought. I had a multifamily, and I told my wife, we're going to move back into the multifamily. We're going to move back to the one-bedroom, and, and we're going to figure shit out. But I remember that, that I was taking over properties for guys who were making millions of dollars. And the saddest story that I remember is me going to a mansion that was worth $8 million and seeing the, the guy from Wall Street coming out in his suit and his Mercedes. And me having to tell him that I'm, I'm sent by the bank because at that point I discovered that it was an opportunity in the distressed market. So I got involved in the distressed market, managing, buying, and flipping that market. Knocking on that guy's door and said, hey man, I'm sorry, but the property belongs to us now. You're gonna have to leave and, and uh, we, we'll figure out how to help you. Like obviously we're gonna kick in the streets, but we're gonna figure out how to help you. And the guy opened up the doors for me and his family was living in mattresses. Like there was no furniture. It was like mattresses, There was no food, and it was like from the outside, everybody looked like they were, it was fine, but inside, people were just hurting. And I'm like, "Fuck man, that, that right there is where it hit me. that it, this is affecting everyone. Yeah. It's not affecting just a certain type of people, like you know immigrants or minorities. It affected every single person. And there's more, more stories right now, if you look back on that decade. Of people committing suicide, or or just lives being destroyed because they didn't know how to manage and handle that transition.
1: So, do you think people have learned? I mean, what what's your takeaway that you have now that you're like, we, "fuck"? That we uh, forget
0: very easy lands, and that's yeah. a scary shit, brother. That's a scary shit that we as human beings. Yeah, it's been a decade since then. Yeah, and you know, I, I train my clients, and right now after doing this for a long time, like we're preparing for the next crash. We're preparing for the next way because I truly believe that the next crash is not going to be like the last one. It's not going to be as drastic, but it's going to hurt a lot of people, especially the youth that have not been used to this type of environment because the 21 year old kids right now, there were 11, They were, there were 10 when this should happen. So they saw their parents going through that recession so that, that experience, but now when this shit hits and there is no market and there is, you can't get loans or you can't sell your products online or shit shrinks, you're going to see a lot. If you see the pressure now, you're going to see a lot of people right now being depressed when the market shrinks. So for me is I'm pushing leadership because I believe that we have to take ownership and leadership because now it's no longer the, the United States economy. We are in the global economy now. So whatever we do now affects, us, affects everyone globally. So if we could just start looking at in a conscious level to be able to become better leaders, not just businessmen, because the 80s, everybody was talking about making money, right? I mean, there are trends. Everybody talks about making money in the 80s. 90s was about how do I live like the Joneses? How do I show off with the money, right? Then you have the 2000s. It was kind of like, fuck, like recovery. We, we had like an economic hangover. Now we have like this age, which is freedom. What do people want? They want freedom. They don't want to just make money. They want to live their life at their own, their own call. They want to be able to have freedom. So the next wave is the moment that you cannot make money and the moment you have to make a choice, you have to decide to fucking lead because that's the next level. To become leaders, not just businessmen. to to realize that just because you're providing for your family doesn't mean that you're a leader. Like as men, and especially men my age, Lance, there's more men my age that have regret and they have lost their purpose than ever. And these are the guys who are making millions of dollars of their kids are looking at, oh, my dad has his shit together. But the reality is that their dad has worked their entire fucking life and has not enjoyed it or has not lived his purpose. And that's why I do what I do, because I want to help that community to see, like, if we step up as leaders, we will heal the people that are coming behind us, that are looking up at us and saying, shit, if you guys are fucked, then what about us? If the guy who's making a million dollars right now is fucked, well, what about the rest of the people who think that his shit is is where I need to be?
1: Yeah, man, so true. And I feel like there's a big shift now as well, though, about. I've noticed in entrepreneurs that it is a lot more people are waking up and wanting to add value instead of take, take, take. Like I feel like there is a bit of a shift happening where people want to give value. You know, I feel like it used to be more about, you know, make money, make money. But now do you feel the same that it is improving slowly that you do see that, that, that value kind of thing, like even in content and, and, and even like podcasts,
0: you know, I feel like there is a bit of a shift. Do you see that as well? There's a huge shift going on, Lance. And, and I don't know if you know who Nipsey Hussle is. I didn't know who Nipsey Hussle was until he died. And I've been listening to his music and, and he talks about the consciousness shift. If you listeners are your age are listening to, to rap or, or music, you could hear now the consciousness shift. There is conscious rapping I mean, I'm, I'm a big hip hop fan. So is this conscious rapping or there's like the mumble rap that you just fucking do it because you want to get paid, or you want to get views. Same thing yeah. in business. There is conscious business building and there's those companies that you want to take, take, take. What we're seeing now is not sustainable for you to take, take, take anymore. Wow. It was sustainable in the 90s, in the 80s. But now social media is exposing every fucking person. Look at the Harvey Weinstein shit going on. Like, is exposing. And eventually, as we grow, it's going to be even, like, the president is getting exposed right now for all the shit that's going on, not to get political, but nobody's safe. (laughs) If you're a bad guy, you're going to get caught, period. If your intentions are bad, eventually, shit is going to blow up. So now, if you're going to be in business, does not make sense if you're going to make this a long-term lifestyle for you to actually have the intention to bring value so you don't have to be looking behind your shoulder, thinking like, okay, who's going who's gonna to say this about me? And that was my biggest fear Lance in social media because I was the guy who was, my company was taking people out of their homes. My company did thousands of evictions, thousands of foreclosures. So my, like my soul was being broken. My soul was being poisoned. That's the reason that I switched over from, from real estate to do what I do now. Because I could, do, I could make millions of dollars in real estate, but my soul would have not been at peace so when I decided to do what I do, it was at a soul level, man. It was a purpose. It was a passion. Is, this is not work for me. This is me knowing that my legacy is going to be me helping people. And my kids are going to know this version of Raul, not the version of Raul that was just doing it for the money. Because real estate, to be honest with you, I was doing it because I had to. I yeah. was doing it out of fear. And I was very good at doing it. I, just because you're good at doing something doesn't mean that you should. Just yeah. because you're so good at manipulating or, or making the deals happen doesn't mean that you should. The moment that you have a different level of consciousness, you have to make conscious choices to shit. Is this shit going to matter or am I just doing it out of fear? Because whatever action you take, you either take an action based on fear or based on expansion. And at this level that I'm right now, every action that I take, my intention is to make my action based on expansion, not, not out of fear. Because even though I'm sharing this message with you last right now, I'm expanding. I'm expanding my message. I'm growing. I'm helping you guys grow, your community. And if we are constantly sharing our message, we're expanding. The worst place to be is to think that your message, your life, or your experience doesn't matter. And that's where the voice of depression or anxiety or fear creeps in because you think like, shit, maybe my my podcast is not going to make a difference or my product is not going make a difference or my dream is not going to make a difference. that is exactly what people why people are depressed right now because they think that they can make a difference and they compare themselves with other people that are that are they Tony Robbins or the Gary V's or the Bra- Richard Branson's and we don't think that we make a difference but I'm here to tell you bro, like one person makes a fucking difference one message makes a fucking difference one podcast makes a fucking difference one post makes a, fuck, make a fucking difference one conversation makes a fucking difference yeah. and the moment that we get our own fucking way we're gonna be able to lead with power that it's not about the politicians, not about the, the entrepreneurs who are making millions, it's about you taking ownership of your life, taking ownership of your fucking message yeah. and you're sharing that with somebody else that needs to hear what you're going through so you could expand.
1: Wow, bro, you're powerful, man. That's uh, that's so true, man. And I, uh, I appreciate that value because people get so clouded right now. And I'm so glad you elaborated on that because it is all about your true purpose and, and really doing what's coming from the heart, you know, not just doing it for the money. And, you know, when successful people like yourself who have seen it and you've been two kinds of entrepreneurs and you started out one way and then you've seen the shift and you're educating people on the differences and how becoming successful is different now than before is super powerful, man. I appreciate that so much and being able to to empower people with leadership and and to be able to, Empower them with the tools so that they can add value to people's lives and, and do things like what we're doing right now, like you said, these conversations, man. We're both expanding, we're growing. We could see, I, one I, person's I, life, you know, like we could do a huge, huge, huge service.
0: Here's one thing that I believe, Lance, every single one of us has a journey to go through. And I think that as as entrepreneurs as men, period, because now now we're talking at a level of, of being a man, is you're gonna go through a journey. And what we used to have back in the days, lands, if you wanted to be a leader of your tribe, like you will go to the chief and say, hey, I want to lead the tribe. And the chief will say, okay, here is the knife. Go to the wilderness, hunt the wolf, and come back. And if you come back, then you have the power to be able to lead. But if you don't come back, guess what? I guess you were not meant to lead because you didn't have the skills to kill the wolf. And that weeds out the people that said, hey, I want to lead. Because guess what? The guy who doesn't have the guts or the belief that he's going to be able to kill the wolf, he's not going to take the chance. Mm -hmm. Now, in entrepreneurship, it's so easy to become an entrepreneur. That's okay, I want to be an entrepreneur today. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do this. Yeah, I want to take the knife. But they don't realize that they're taking the knife. That means that you have to go and kill. That means you have to go back and bring value. And then the moment that you realize that you have the value, you have you have the skills, that's the first level. That's when you become a leader. But that's when I call the warrior mode. And a lot of men, we're stuck in the warrior stage. Being a warrior is not the end game, Lance. Being the warrior is just another stage of your life. Once you get tired of just killing the wolf or making money or just having sex or whatever it is that you that you want to do, then it comes a point in your life, you have to say, fuck, am I doing what I was born to do? Do I have a purpose? And at that moment, when you question in God or the universe whether you have a purpose or not, that's when the doors open up. I said, "Okay, you want a purpose? All right. Now you go in through the tunnel, and that's when the midlife crisis, that's when the pressure comes in, that's where fear comes in because the tunnel is shaping men that are worthy to be kings. That's what I talk about in my next book. I talk about the journey of a man. We've been stuck in teaching people how to make money, or we've been stuck of just reaching success that we forgot how to pursue greatness. And a man, it was, I believe every man is born to be a king, a king of his own family, a king of his own path. But unless you have that king mentality, you're always going to act like a peasant. You're always going to act like a victim. And then we hide through the warrior stage and we hide through that stage of being a warrior, of making money, but we forget that that's not the end game. The end game is to be able to be a king and live a legacy.
1: Amazing, man. So powerful, bro. I uh, I really appreciate that. Can you maybe dive into like how can people find you with the next level experience? Kind of steer people in the direction of where the best
0: way to connect with you is. So our website is the next level experience dot com. And that is the next level We actually have a leadership summit coming up in September. Um, what I'm doing now this week is we're actually launching a free leadership video training because some of my clients, they told me, about oh, this content is too good for you just to keep amongst ourselves. So we actually decided to, to release four weeks of training, and it's completely free. They could go to nextlevelleadershipsummit.com. I think it's the next level leadership summit or nextlevelleadershipsummit.com. Just sign up and get the free modules. It's like four weeks of leadership training where I talk about this journey, where are talk about the tunnel where I talk about how to break the patterns because all this to me now is pattern recognition. I look at my behavior and it's a pattern and it's either conscious or subconscious behavior. So my job is to catch the subconscious behavior that comes from my upbringing, comes from my culture, comes from my experiences. I really ask myself like, do I want to continue in this path or what do I need to do to break this pattern so I could create the best version of myself? So every single day, I have a ritual. I develop an app that I could download all my behavior. So for me, it's more, I used to be an asset manager and we manage assets for banks. Now I'm a people manager. <laughs> I manage high-level entrepreneurs to make sure that their behavior is an in integrity with their vision because that's the whole key. Everybody, anybody could take action, but is your action in alignment with the shit that you want or is your action taking you farther away from the shit that you want?
1: Awesome, man. I love the detail that you go into with that. And what I'm really curious about is with next level experience, you know, like with the younger generation, you know, what, what do you tell them makes a good leader? You know, like what is a good leader to you and how can somebody install that in these young minds so that they can actually use it in a practical sense?
0: So for example, I have my son that's 13 years old, right? And I tell him like what what I went through is nothing compared to the shit that he's gonna go through. But at the same time, there is, there's also benefits of what he's going through. What your generation is going through right now is like the gold rush of be able to do more than what we did. You have more reach, more opportunity. Your voice matters more than our voice matter. Why? Because we didn't have a voice. As an 18-year-old kid, as a 17-year-old kid, we didn't have social media. We have the power that you guys have to be able to Impact the way that you're impacting people now. But at the same time, what I truly feel is that the leadership that you're so accustomed to or or people who you look up to, like I tell my son, is like don't look at what I do, don't look at what other people do, like create your own rules, create your own path. If one thing you take away from it is that every single generation is going to go through that journey, whether it's technology or not, you're gonna go through that tunnel. The tunnel is where you're going to be shaped, where your character is going to be shaped because there's no amount of technology, there's no amount of social media that's going to be able to build who you are inside. So instead of worrying about all the shit that's going on outside, start building your inside. The mistakes that we've done in the past as men is that we're constantly building empires on the outside to make us feel significant in the inside. Your generation has the power right now to build yourself from the inside to be able to reflect the empire on the outside. And that's the biggest shift that I see right now, that you could actually get this right. You could actually find the success that we couldn't find success at an early age, that we had to just hustle and, and, and do what we need to do. But now as the market is shifting, we actually seeing a lot of, of my clients right now that are my age, they are pursuing new businesses, new, they have a new purpose, a new sense of, of bringing impact into the world. So as we continue in this path, your character is going to be tested. And no amount of money, no amount of success is going to be able to save you from that journey. You're going to have to go through that pit. You're going to have to go through that tunnel in order for you to find out who you really are.
1: So what would you say is a non-negotiable for somebody that wants to get into business or get their mindset right? Or What are some of the tools maybe that you use that have been effective as far as like a daily routine or... Yeah, basically a
0: non-negotiable thing that's like you need to do this in order to be to the next, get to the next step. You gotta face pain. Most entrepreneurs fail because they don't have the stamina or the bandwidth to withstand pain, the risk factor. Like when shit is happening, man, you gotta face it head on. Even, even if it doesn't feel good, the faster you learn to face the pain, the faster you learn, it's like going to a boxing match. The faster you get punched in the face, the less it's gonna hurt next time. So as entrepreneurs, the one thing i tell you is like, if you have an early success, great, but don't buy into that. Get your face punch at the beginning, learn to take the punches, face the pain. And if you're not facing pain, it's probably because you're not pushing hard enough. You're not creating that resistance. And a lot of us, we like to be comfortable. You get used to being uncomfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And especially now as the market shrinks, as the market shifts, like only those that could withstand the pain and are smart enough to realize that nothing lasts forever, no season lasts forever, that it may be, you know, down for a couple of years or five years is never going to be as bad as the past. And you are constantly evolving as a man, as a leader. So as you continue to focus on who you're becoming instead of just the, the destination, I think that's the most important part that I could give you your listeners is like, Build yourself up, build yourself up from within every single day. Ask yourself, Who do I need to become to be able to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish? How is my choices impacting me today? Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, today. And if you continue to live today, like it's your last day, and I'm putting that much intention and that much energy, then you're going to be able to compound time. Awesome. How important is it for people? Because there's
1: a lot of Different influencers, right? There's a lot of different people saying a lot of different things. What's your thought on, let's say, people that want to go on an entrepreneurial journey, but then you got the Gary V's, you got the Grant Cardone's, you got Tony Robbins, you got all these Russell Brunson's, all these minds. How does one decipher all of this information? Does somebody pick one person and follow them, or does one take a little bit of each, or does one, you know, there's an overload of information? You know, yeah. how does somebody deal with all that and still, without becoming overwhelmed and still kind of be able to channel into their own?
0: You know, as much as information as there's out there, lands, the reality is that there is not many practitioners. I mean, you know, i talked to Russell Brunson, he sells thousands of those books, but you know how many people have not fucking built a funnel? If you look at Tony Robbins, there's thousands of people that he serves in his seminars, but you know how many people didn't take action from what they learned? Like the information is not going to make a difference. You can follow every single person, but what's gonna make a huge difference is you continue to try shit. Try shit, try shit, figure out what you like, and if that works, do more of that. If that doesn't work, then you try something else. That that is what's gonna get the experience, Lance. You cannot learn experience from a book. You can only see somebody's point of view. You got you get learn somebody else's experience, but you're never gonna go through your own experience. If I could tell every single person right now that's thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, it's like, pick something and do something the next 30 days. That's it. Yeah. Just whatever it is that you pick, pick something, do something the next 30 days. If that shit works, do more of that. If it doesn't work, pick something else. And until you find something, you know how many videos I've done? I've done thousands of videos online. But my first probably 500 videos, They sucked. Yeah. They would like, I even look back at those videos like, fuck, who's <laughs> this guy? Because I couldn't even talk the way I could talk right now. Yeah. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the certainty. I was trying to figure out my message. But now people pay me thousands of dollars to come to my experiences. Why? Because I've built that certainty. I try shit. And when it worked, I double down on that. I think a lot of us, we're afraid to try in it because we want to have that perfect scenario, the perfect plan, that perfect video, the perfect message. Perfection is an illusion. Yeah. It's all about progress, man. Yeah, it's funny watching your old videos.
1: I'm not you in particular, but even me, man. Like watching some, I am embarrassed. I cringe.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, at the beginning I couldn't watch them, man. But now I learned to appreciate and appreciate the journey and appreciate that that side of me. And and listen, we're gonna evolve. Yeah. And as long as you're taking that information, that's what I, I I read the book. I read a book and I'm constantly implementing what I'm reading right away. Yeah. I never put a. I'm never waiting for to end the book, and implement. I'm constantly implementing as I learn. And if Whatever the book says, if it's not working, I just don't continue to read anymore. I just do something else. Most books that I start, I don't end, to be honest with you. Because I already get value, enough value to get me started. That like The first half of the book, I'm already getting the results. I don't need to read the whole book. I already know that this works. So I'm picking up the next book. But most people are waiting into in, that perfect moment. And that's what separates those entrepreneurs that succeed and those that fail, is that those that are not waiting for perfection are going to be able to get the experience they need.
1: Yeah, this kind of ties in just a couple questions more man. This this is a big one as far as what you were just saying. So, a lot of people have especially this is kind of with the network marketing, you have this goal, right? And when do you decide whether to keep pursuing that goal, you know, because obviously it's not linear, but when do you decide where it's time to make a change? Because You know, there's so much information. Stick the course, stay the course, do it, do it, do it. But then some people say if it's not working, switch or change. Or how do you know when it's the right time to say, fuck, this isn't, maybe this isn't the right, this is the path. Like my goal, I want to have help this many people or make this much money, but I don't know if this path is going to get me here. Maybe it's time to switch, but then how do you know that that's just, you know, you're quitting too soon? Like, how do you know?
0: Here's what I just told a client of mine earlier on today. Early on, I said, the moment that what you're doing is not fulfilling you, it's not juicing you up, it's not getting exciting, you're not being challenged, and you're just doing it because you have to, you're fucked. If you're doing it because you have to, you're already lost. Do it because you want to. And then, most important, do it because that's who you are. Like when I would do my videos now, man, I'm not doing it because I'm trying to get people to buy my product. I'm doing, I'm doing it because that's my, I feel that's my calling to be able to inspire people. Every single day I'm putting content. Why? Because I, I get those messages where people say, man, thank you. I wait for the videos every single day. Man, you, your message resonates with me. So the moment I get one person to tell me that, then I have the, then I have the commitment that I need to follow through. I think that a lot of us, we forget that it's not about us. If you're building your business just for you, you're not going to get far. But if you're building your business to impact other people, realize that who is going to suffer if you don't follow through? Who's going to pay the price if you don't follow through? So even if you don't want to, you make yourself go through it because that's who you are. You're in alignment with your soul. You're in alignment with your vision. You're not doing it because you have to. It's not dragging you anymore. It's actually a challenge. So that's the moment that you decide. The moment that you're not making an impact the moment that your energy is already all fucked up because you have to, then you know that you're not getting a return on your energy, a return on your time, that you have to find something else or find a different way or a different approach. And that's when you start adapting, adjusting, and executing. That's my favorite mantra that I completely, you know, I I train my clients to say that over and over again. I adapt, adjust, and I execute. Don't be attached to the outcome. Become a master to adapt, adjust, and execute. I
1: love it, man, because so many people including myself it's a grind and you don't know in the back of your mind you're, you're thinking fuck is this the right route like but yeah when you talk about it like that and you say like are you not is it not fulfilling you are you not is it not fire you up i mean you got to think about that right but then there's also there's the also the other side like then people say well that you don't have to love what you do all the time you just need to work hard and, and just you know fucking beat your head against the wall you know what i mean like so it's, it can be confusing sometimes yeah. as to understanding, you know, what is that hard, hard work, lunch bucket mentality or, you know, but combining that with your passion, you know, and sometimes I feel like some
0: people can get lost in that, but I mean, and it's easy, yeah. easy to get lost on that because then you have to pay the bills. You have yeah. to make ends meet. You have to figure out how to, how to make sure that everything is taken care of. And I think that when you find something that you like, and here's the question that I ask myself, if I could do something that I would do it for free, I wouldn't want to get paid for it, I will do it for free, and I could figure that out to bring so much value that people actually pay me, then I would never have to work in my life. Yeah. So if you could answer that question, like, what is it that you will do for free? that you could figure it out to bring value to people and you could get paid for it, then you never have to work because that's that's what I've seen now in entrepreneurs that really enjoy what they do is that it's not really work. Yeah. Like the mentality that we have of work is like, oh, at nine to five, we're clucking in, clucking out, but it's not really work. Yeah. Even my team here that I have here, like I don't have a time for them. Like I don't have, they're not checking in or checking out. As long as they're doing the work and they are passionate about what they do, they get paid. Yeah. So at the end of the day, is the results that you bring into the world or the market is a direct reflection of what you feel inside. And if what you feel inside feels like you're not bringing enough value, it's because there's something inside of you that you feel like you're not worthy. And what we see now, a lot of entrepreneurs, that they say they wanna become millionaires, they say they wanna have success, but deep inside, they feel that they're not worthy of that success. So they sabotage their own opportunities. I have so many people that have come to me and work for me, and they have all the potential, but they sabotage their opportunity, because they don't feel that they're worthy, and that's the worst place to be to want something but not be in alignment with our beliefs, so that's when our actions are not going to be met so
1: true man self sabotage is such a problem, and people don't even realize it because it's sitting in our subconscious mind, these limited beliefs that they aren't enough you know and i've i I've been diving into this too, you know I've been doing so much inner work on this stuff because you got to ask yourself, like, why do I keep fucking up? Why do you keep doing these kind of things? And it's, it's because of those things. And it's because of those limited beliefs. And, and once people start to realize that that is, that is the problem and they're literally, they're sabotaging themselves, just being aware of that is, is a huge win. So some people just walk around not even understanding what those are. You know, like, yeah. it's
0: One book that I recommend of you listeners to pick up, which is a huge book that impacted me, is Outwitting the Devil. And Outward in. the Devil is written by Napoleon Hill. And this book was written over almost 100 years ago from the guy who, who wrote Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. And it talks about the hypnotic rhythm, the patterns in our brain, how the hypnotic rhythm keeps us in a trance. And see, one of the things that I do at the Next Level Experience is I help break that trance because I truly feel like we are, as men, we are in a trance. We are being hypnotized by the culture, hypnotized by music, hypnotized by all this shit. And, and that's the reason that we're confused. We're not clear. But the moment that you break the fucking trance and you get truly clear about, one, what you want, and two, who you truly are, then those things just come in place. Because here's why we're not clear about what we want and we're not clear about who we are. So we are hypnotized based on who we need to be, who we need to be for our parents, who we need to be for our wife, who we need to be for the culture. And that's the struggle because you can't be everything to everyone. And I'm talking from experience because I had, you know, we always say we have an identity crisis. It's the mindset. It's so many versions of ourselves, so many voices that are constantly pushing us in different directions that create that confusion mentality. But the moment that you get fucking clear, Lance, the moment that you know exactly who you are and every single day you are claiming with power, you're actually commanding the universe to manifest into reality whatever you want, whatever you need, whatever you desire because you're co-creator with God and the universe because you came here to fucking lead. You came here to have a purpose. You came here for a reason. And it doesn't matter if it's a million people that listen to your voice or one person to voice, you are making a difference. And then you have that conviction, that belief, then your actions are gonna be in alignment. And the moment that you actions are in alignment, you're gonna call yourself up because you're gonna realize like shit, man, I'm not living to my true potential. So that's when you actually compound time, when you have that belief, that certainty and that power that you are telling yourself every single day and your actions are reflecting your beliefs and what you say. And that's when the effortless comes in. That's when you in flow. That's when shit starts happening and you think it's God of the universe like manifesting itself. It's you. You are yeah. the one creating this. Because we are creating our own movie, our own experience. Yeah. But we forget that we are not the experience. We're not here just to experience. We're becoming the experiencer. And the moment you realize that you have the power, man, to become the experiencer, man, you could be able to, to create a company out of nothing, an idea that comes into you, right, like this, and you could execute. And then little by little, you're going to put all these things together. Why? Because you're in flow, you're connected, and you're being guided by a higher purpose and a higher being and a higher version of yourself that said, I'm here for a different reason. I'm not here just for me. I'm here to serve, to impact and to make a difference.
1: Man, you're firing me up here. <laughs> this is great, man. So like there's so many people out here that need this value and this is awesome. Like you're nailing on so many things here that so many people, the entrepreneurs are struggling with and being able to elaborate on that and understand that they're not alone dealing with this stuff, right? Is super powerful and Man, I'm really, really grateful for you to come on the show today and, and jump on with us and share that value, man. Because, thank you, Buck. Yeah, it's, it. it's been great, man. I always learn so much from these shows, you know, and, and getting to have these conversations and just the impact that we can have in getting in people's heads and while they're driving or while they're cooking dinner or whatever, you know, it's like that, that snap that they need. And it just, it gets me fired up, just this conversation, man. So mm. truly, truly, thank you. I just have one more question that I ask everybody. I know that you've dropped so much value already, man, but you've already probably answered this, but just to kind of keep consistency with the show, what's the one thing that you can give the audience to overcome adversity, one tip to overcome adversity, to go on to become successful in their life or to get through whatever struggles that they're struggling with?
0: Don't be afraid of adversity. Don't be afraid of the pain. If you could learn to take that pain and fuel your purpose, you're going to be able to complete your mission. Because most people run away from pain. Most people sedate the pain. Most people manage the pain. Just fucking face the pain, face the adversity. And every time you face an adversity, that's God and the universe shaping you to help you become the change that this world needs. Awesome, man.
1: Fucking powerful. Let's plug you again, man. The Next Level Experience. Where can everybody find you again? Make sure you guys go check them out right now. Where is the best place to find you again?
0: The Next Level Experience.com. That's where you're going to be able to watch some of the videos that we have. But also, I'm on Instagram. Instagram, Raul The Edge. Facebook, Raul The Edge. YouTube, Raul The Edge. Just follow me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. The podcast, I have a Daily Edge podcast. We've done an episode a day is just my daily rants. We have over 450 episodes. If you want to hear a quick three or four minute rant that I do every single day, just go to that, that podcast. It's kind of just me talking, talking about the shit that I'm going through. But uh, yeah, man, I enjoy the interview, brother. I appreciate you having me here.
1: Yeah, man, thanks so much. You guys, make sure you check him out. He's got so much value and you hear he's all purpose-driven. He just wants to help and add value to your life. And I'm just so honored to have him on. So thanks very much, brother. Everybody check him out. Have an amazing day. Whoa, that was fire. I, I love chatting with Raul. He gets me fired up. Really awesome guy. I connected with him right away after and checked out his content. It's amazing once you talk to these people, you realize why they're successful. And I went right on and started checking out his stuff. You check it out a little bit beforehand, obviously. But once you get to know them, you kind of want to see more, right? And he's just an awesome dude. So make sure you go follow him. Check him out. I hope you guys got value from that. If you did, leave us a review. I really want to hear what you think. Did it impact you? And subscribe. We want to keep you updated with the latest episodes. They come out Monday, Wednesdays. So we want to keep you fired up and inspired. And yeah, keep you rocking in your week. I want to help you create amazing things in your life and help you get through the struggles in your life. So the best way I can by giving you inspirational content from inspirational people. So love and appreciate you all. We will catch you next time.
0: You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.